All right. So, fuck, I'm going to have to ditch the hat. You can't even see me. Jeez, Why? Because I got the Chia Pet thing going on in my head, and I was... <laughs> I didn't yeah, wanna... and we can't forgo the bald part of the bald. I know, classes. I know, it's I know. It's most important. <laughs> All right. Yeah. Um, this is the first official interview for Bald with Glasses. We want to welcome on my cousin Jenna. Jenna. Hey. <laughs> Jenna Ray. Um, so when we were talking about who we wanted to interview first, I'm, we were thinking of like interesting people we knew. I remember when I was on vacation once seeing a billboard that says, be the family member that all of your other family members brag about. To me, that That's has cool. always been that. Yeah. To me, that has always been Jenna. Um, she has in my mind led a very interesting life up until this point. Um, she, start out well why don't you give us a little rundown why don't you give us a little rundown as to why you think that you are uh the most interesting family member to me? <laughs> well i mean uh you gave me that title so i don't know if yeah. i necessarily <laughs> think that i think i'm really boring <laughs> well um yeah <laughs> well so i was just gonna say when when we were kids you were a karate world champion right yeah so what's the what's the official title there? Andrew and I were talking about this when we were when we were introducing the podcast, and I've asked you this before, but I still don't know the real answer. Were you like, what was your specific discipline? Would you be considered like a karate student, a martial artist, master? Yeah, master. <laughs> <laughs> some kind of master, but I don't know. <laughs> um, so I guess the official title. I did a ton of different types of martial arts. So I did like uh, Tung Sudo, Muda Kwan, and those are traditional martial arts as well as American Kempo and um, Asama, which I wouldn't consider a uh, traditional martial art. Uh, I think Eric knows a little bit about that Tia Tia Tua Tua. <laughs> yeah. Awesome. Uh, awesome. What's the, uh, what's the run me through the Route 6, that thing? Oh, shit. Um, fuck, I don't even know it. <laughs> you lost your touch. I thought, I thought it'd be ingrained in you. Yeah. You know, honestly, like I feel like my brain's been through so much that I forget everything. Like, I forget <laughs> my butthole if it wasn't attached. It's pretty bad. <laughs> so okay, so so much. you were you were uh, a youth world champion karate. Uh, you were a world champion in karate, and then from there, um, you went on to skydive and base jump all over the country in these awesome, cool places. Um, so to me, that is like a completely unusual way of living, and I think it's very interesting and very cool. So I want you to just kind of briefly talk about like kind of how you got started in karate when you were younger and then kind of how that led you to where you're at now. Cool. Sweet. I can do that. Um, so I got started in martial arts because my brother did it at like five years old um, for discipline reasons. He was a wild <laughs> child. Um, <laughs> and I was jealous of anything that he did. Um, mm -hmm. So I got started in martial arts and like quickly, I think my dad realized that I had a talent. I'm not sure like where in between like my first fight where I cried the whole time <laughs> to like where that realization came. But um, when I was eight, we started traveling on um, the country and doing like the US circuit. And um, I competed in what's called like point sparring and continuous sparring and then like kickboxing. 
Um, and then at the age of like 13 ish, um, I was selected for team USA and, um, we had a few international tournaments as well. Um, and I was a, what they call a NASCAR, which is, I don't even remember what it means anymore, but I was a world champion in a few different disciplines. Um, but they were fighting, like hitting people. Yeah. 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 Right. That's really cool. Yeah. Damn. <laughs> so, so real, real quick before, real quick before I forget on that. So how do you like, you said you don't really remember the moment. Is there like, do you just decide, do you, does your parent just decide we're going to start traveling and competing or do you have to like qualify to be able to travel and compete? Um, you can decide and join into those different tournaments. So as long as you pay a fee, um, you can go <laughs> to the tournaments. Um, yeah. And then from that point, that's when like you, like your titles are determined from like who comes to those tournaments. So, so it's you, not necessarily like you win a regional tournament and then you go on to nationals. Um, it's based on the entire year and however many tournaments you win um, kind of goes into this point system. And then whoever has the most points wins for that year or is like the world champion or like national champion or whatever. Gotcha. So you pay a fee yeah. to get into these tourneys. Do you get any, any cash if you, if you come out with the dub? Um, sometimes. Yeah. Nice. So once you're a black belt, there was a thing called like grand champion or overall champion. Um, so sort of like, um, <laughs> pageants for little girls like you're the <laughs> grand supreme toddler of the year or whatever um, <laughs> we don't win a crown but we um you do get like some kind of money one time i won a nintendo ds over nice. a six-year-old girl so <laughs> that's pretty sweet <laughs> so oh, then yeah. for the for the u.s team that selection so that's not like you just sign up you for that they seek you out yeah so you have to get invited to try out and then you try out and you fight other people that were also invited and the first and second slots in whatever division that you're trying out for then go on to worlds. Gotcha. Um, yeah. Now, correct me if I'm wrong, but your, your dad, he did some like teaching in karate, right? Was, yeah. was that, was that, but was he, was he interested in like, did he have any experience in it? before you guys started or did he did he start that after you guys had already gotten into the sport um so I think he did it a little bit before we were born and then once we started martial arts he started getting into adult classes um and then he started coaching and um he definitely you know wanted us to do very well in whatever we were doing uh yep. so he was I would say my main trainer for like calisthenics and like making sure that like my cardio was good and that I was like ready and prepared for fighting. Um, and then he was like, you know, soccer mom. He like drove us to all of the events, yeah, yeah, yeah. drove us to, to practice all that stuff. So he was like the number one um, motivator and supporter in that. Um, and he was a really excellent coach. Um, he can like look at things and like watch people fight and be like, okay, when they do this with their arm, they're gonna do this next. Yep. So he was like really good with teaching me how to look for things like that. I don't know where he developed that skill. Um, he's generally a really smart person. So um, that's like where that came in. Um, and he 
basically worked with our coaches, um, like our actual martial arts coaches and um, coached those teams um, alongside in tandem with those guys. So um, definitely my main coach, I would say, um, and wherever we went and took like karate um, or practiced karate, I don't really know what they call it. (laughs) Um, (laughs) um, He was always um, there with, with the other coaches. So your dad's, so your dad's like number one coach for you. And you mentioned when you were around eight, he, um, you know, he noticed something in you. What percent of being a good fighter do you think comes sort of naturally? And then what comes learned? Like, it sounds like some of it was sort of ingrained in you. You were kind of born for this Rocky. (laughs) (laughs) I was born for something. Uh, Yeah, no, I was just really a good, um, I was really obedient and like a super good listener um, and always wanted to impress my dad and do really well. So no matter what, like I was doing, I would always like put all my effort in. And so I'm sure that there's like a little talent built in. Um, I'm naturally really athletic. so whatever that Kendall Jenner gif is where she's like, my blood's like super I athletic or whatever. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's me. Um in real life. <laughs> oh shit. So I, um, I have a question yeah. for you. So when you get up to when you got up to like competing for the United States, so you, at this point you must know like so I'm wondering where, where was your confidence level at in terms of like strictly in terms of the sport? Like when you would walk into a room, would you be like, I'm, I could be every one of these girls asses, <laughs> or was there still like that? Like, I got to prove myself. What, what was your like thought process and confidence level when you reached that level? Absolutely. Like in the toilet, I had zero confidence. <laughs> really? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I never thought I was going to win, even though I had like winning streaks for years, like yeah. n- never thought I was a good fighter, never thought I was going to win, always thought that I could be better. Um, and I think a lot of that came from like the, like the pressure and um, like my dad always saying like, you can do better you can be better. Like you have to train more, do more. And like comparing me to other athletes in the sport as well. Um, so that definitely created a little bit of a complex, but we're getting over it. <laughs> um, <laughs> um, but I definitely had zero confidence and, yeah. but I was really good at pretending. Um, yep. And so everybody that met me, um, even now to this day, they're like, wow, you're so confident. And I'm like, mm, I'm just faking it. <laughs> <laughs> well, you're really good at faking it then. <laughs> so, okay. Yeah. So there was never a moment where there was never a moment where you're like, you're across the mat and you're looking at another girl and you're like, I'm going to, I'm going to freaking put you through the wash cycle today. <laughs> <laughs> no, no. I was just like, all right. Okay. So I got to keep my hands up. And just go in there and fight and listen to dad. <laughs> and everything will be okay when you leave the ring. <laughs> oh, that's funny. So when um, you get to that, when you get to that high level like that, I know that you said your dad had given you like tips and stuff like that to look out for certain fighters and how they fight. Do you have like film on these people and were people watching your film or do you just go into these tournaments and you've never seen some of these people, especially at the world level before? Yeah, um, it's a little bit of both. So you don't really have like access to film from people that you've never fought before. And what's great is a lot of these circuits, like you end up fighting like the same people or um, like you'll be able to pick it up when you see them fight another person. So it's not like boxing where you have like one bout like every six months. Mm -hmm. It's like you go to a tournament. I mean, there were some tournaments or weekends. We had three tournaments in a weekend. 
So we'd be in like Panama one day and then Washington DC the next day. And then um, like Rhode Island the following day. Um, And it was a lot, it was great, it was amazing. Um, But you did run into the same people. So it was easy to pick up on each other's habits or bad habits Mm -hmm. and, um, or you watch them in a previous fight that they had that day and you can see, you know, where they're at that day. Like what's their energy like? So um, that's where he kind of was able to pick up on things. And in the middle of the fight, um, we used to have this thing where he would like yell out a number and I would like know what combination or what type of move I should do oh, when shit. he yelled that number. Yeah. So, so, so that's, that's, that's cool. actually a kind of a question that I had when you're, when you're in it, like middle of fight like that, when you're in a fight and you're say your things aren't going your way, you're kind of backs up against the wall a little bit. Is it tough to remember your like when you're just getting your head kicked in is it tough to remember your technique or like is it is it all like okay i know that i'm losing this so i need to do x y and z or is there does like panic ever set in where you're like oh shit i'm getting my i'm getting my ass kicked right now no never there's never panic i had i'm really good at like tunnel vision and like just like being there and like focusing um and the goal for me was never really to win honestly it was just to like like I said, impress my dad and make sure that like everything was like cool between us. Yeah. Um, like I, um, Cause I had to ride home with him and he had to ride home with me too. So. <laughs> That's true. Yeah. Um, but yeah, there was never panic. It was never, um, I mean, there were some times where I would get annihilated or I'd catch like a knee to the chin or I like dislocated my jaw once because I put my hands mm. down and got kicked in the face that was so fun oh. um, and, <laughs> yeah it sucked um but I kept fighting and I kept fighting because a like tunnel vision and b like I didn't want to disappoint anyone I wanted right. to like keep going mm-hmm. like we trained so much and we like everything that we did throughout the week was for this moment you know and right. if I just like quit um i'd be a fucking loser and jenna community was a fucking loser you know that's right <laughs> i love it that's why you were world yeah. champion <laughs> yeah. so you so yeah. with all the traveling yeah. this is my last question i think on kickboxing from my side here um yeah. how did you what did you do for school did you were you homeschooled you're traveling all over the place <laughs> no um i definitely wasn't homeschooled thank god i would be socially inept uh-huh. <laughs> I am a little bit so <laughs> um but I went to public school. Uh, I did miss quite a few days. Um, and there was like a lot of pressure there too. Cause I still like had to get good grades in school, but like I was missing quite a few days. Um, there were some days where like, I would have to leave early, um, like for training or something. Um, but it was, it was fine. Um, I was able to catch up on everything and did all the fucking extra credit, like (laughs) good student, old brown noser. Um, and yeah, it was a pretty, a relatively normal high school experience and middle school experience and elementary experience, but, uh, there was a lot of stress and a lot of pressure to like be the best in everything that I did. Right. Um, and no matter how good I was at something, it was like never enough. And that was like an internal complex too, that I put on myself, Mm -hmm. um, which, which was challenging, um, and still is challenging. So, yeah. Um, well now when you, so when you, so like when you are that level of an athlete, is there sort of like a general understanding 
So like in your town, for example, when you were in these various schools, do they just know like, oh, well, that's she's she travels all around the country to do that. So we know she's going to miss some time. And like the kids that you went to school with, did they have any idea that you were doing all of that or? Uh yeah, so I didn't really volunteer the information. Like everybody knew that like I did karate and stuff. And like okay. I didn't realize until high school that other people like knew that I traveled because one of the parents on the team would like post all of the like results from our like tournaments in like our local newspaper. Mm -hmm. Um and and like certain articles would be done on the local newspaper. So like people knew and um like I didn't know until like I started like trying to date men, which was embarrassing in high school. And they'd be like, oh, we're just like so intimidated by you. And I'm like, I'm five foot two or 92 pounds. Like, what the fuck? And they're like, you do karate, you're the karate kid. And I'm like, fucking no. Jaden Smith over here. Yeah, fucking Ralph Macchia. Like, come on. The real karate kid. Um, all right. So I actually I have I have like one more thing I want to talk about. So you've brought up um, you've brought up your dad and parents like a couple times um, so far. What is like, is there a memory or moment that sticks out to you? Not necessarily with your dad or your team, but just like a, a intense or heated like parent exchange or moment in a tournament that that sticks out to you? Like either they went crazy on the ref or on their kid or like, is there a moment like that that sticks out? My dad never went crazy i mean i've seen other parents go freaking crazy and like that's what i mean like do you, yeah 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 oh yeah wait you said teeth get knocked out hell yeah so <laughs> there is this one tournament um i'll never forget this i think his name's like dean or some shit stupid <laughs> name so he also works at or did i don't know shout out shout out dean so um, he was a ref and uh, it was like a national like tournament. And one of the kids on my team was fighting and he had like said something colorful to his grandfather, who was like the main coach of our karate studio. And his son was like not having it and like ran across the, the ring and just fucking knocked his teeth out. Yeah. Oh, very expensive geez. dental bill, but like, yeah. Yeah. Oh my goodness. Right. So like right in the middle of the whole tournament. Oh yeah. That is wild. That's, that's crazy too. Cause you, you just have like hundreds of people in a room that are like martial arts, <laughs> like black belts. That's gotta, that's gotta be kind of cool. Yeah. I mean, I never really thought about it that way. It was just like, Oh, these are the people that I'm with every weekend. So. <laughs> well, so, okay. So in an environment like that, do you, did it feel like anyway, because you're, I feel like for the most part as a, child you're not like i want to be a karate world champion most like four five six year olds are not saying that so would you would you say it felt like you touched a little bit on like the pageant parent type thing <laughs> would you say it feels a little bit more like that whole environment is more for the parents than it is for the kids um i think it's it's dependent on the situation and the kid um like i really wanted to do like gymnastics and cheerleading and stuff like that and super girly shit. Yep. And, um, I was better at martial arts and I know that my dad liked it more. <laughs> yep. Um, so that was definitely where a lot of that came in and he didn't want me to quit. He wanted me to do really well. And like, of course, like 
in my own head, like I wanted to do well too. Um, and there was definitely a, like a lot of pressure and I know where it came from. Like it came from a place of love. He just wanted me to be the best. And like, right, that's right. really cool. Cause there's like not a lot of people in the world that can say like, at one time I was the best at something or I am the best at something. Right. Um, so it's like, it's great to have, uh, but yeah, there is definitely like, um, like pageant dad moments where like it almost felt like I was being like dressed up or I had to like perform a certain way or like be like kind of not super authentic to like myself. Cause I'm so sensitive and like, I wasn't like allowed to cry or show emotion or like yeah, do any of that. Right. So I tucked a lot of that back. Um, and so that's kind of what I'm learning as an adult to like undo is like actually be my sensitive self and like not be too sensitive because sometimes that's a little, <laughs> a little far that. a fine line. So yeah. Fine. Yeah. yeah, finding the balance, but um, and realizing that like sensitivity is actually like a superpower, um, yep. rather than like something that you should hide from people. Um, but it did come in handy there because nobody knew what I was thinking, um, which was great. Like I was shitting my pants the entire time. Everybody just thought I was some sort of like confident queen, and like. <laughs> and was that? Would you say that was like? Would you say that was common in the sport, like not just in your household, but would you say throughout the sport, there was a lot of that where like you, all you kids are looking around each other like, does anyone fucking want to be here right now? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I don't know. I never talked to anybody about it. Like I really? know that there were, yeah, never, never. Actually, this is like, I think that I really only kind of talk about it with you, Eric, like on a North, like I don't really bring it up a lot with other people. Yeah. Um, yeah. So I've never been in a fight, Jenna, if you couldn't tell. Um, but <laughs> every, time I, tough, <laughs> every time I play out this scenario, you know, when I'm going to fight somebody, you got any tips for me? And also, what do I do with the glasses? Because I don't want a shard in my eye. Do I, do I, I was thinking I could throw them on the ground and like slam them, like really get their intimidation going or tuck it in here. What do you think? What do you think I should do? Um, I definitely think that you should tuck. Okay. For sure. Just, just tuck it in. No. Tuck them. And then, and then what the should elbows? his first yeah what should his first move be i definitely wouldn't go for the elbow first because you're so close you know <laughs> you're going to probably get knocked out their okay. arms are longer than your this, this what about what about, about like that, a yeah. what about like a front kick to the chest create a little separation absolutely okay. let's go absolutely. perfect when you're in a street fight nobody kicks enough everybody's yeah. all like brawling out there no, your fucking legs are strong as shit. You kick them. <laughs> and then you run like a little bitch because you don't want a black eye. <laughs> noted, noted. All right, breaking news. Got it. Wait, Andrew, you had one other question that I you I want to know oh, yeah. this. I want to hear this. Yeah. Um, could you kick Eric's ass? <laughs> Absolutely. Look at him. No it's chance. Yeah. This this potato will put all of his mass. I, there's no chance. It's actually I am curious. I, I really don't know the answer. You could hit me with some sort of like crazy kick and I'm just like collapse. But I am curious about that. Like someone who is like literally twice your weight. Do you is there like do you would you, do you think you would struggle with someone like that or would you just be more technical? So I had to fight in the boys division sometimes because um, there were certain instances where they wouldn't have enough girls or like the girls that they did have, um, like it would have been really unfair to like put us together because I had like more experience, even though we were the same weight, it just like didn't make sense. Yep. So sometimes I had to fight in the boys division and there were people that were like twice my size and you do have to be a lot more tactical. Like you can't get in there and fucking go pound for pound for them. I'm going to die. Right. And 
Um, so yeah, it was a lot more like, and that was more point sparring. So it was like getting in and getting out. Um, and I could use my like size to my advantage in that respect. Um, but in a street fight, if some man that's twice my size comes up to me, I am fucking walking the other way. <laughs> so how did you, what was the moment where you officially decided to walk away or was it your decision? Like, how did you end up officially leaving martial arts as a whole? Cause I think after you did karate, you did boxing for a little bit, like a brief period of time. So when you ultimately walked away entirely from uh, from martial arts or combat sports, what was that moment like? Yeah, so I did um, I did boxing in tandem with martial arts because it was a good training tool, good for like you know increasing your speed and your strength in your hands and your footwork and everything. So it was it was just another training tool. Um, and I got injured. I had a series of injuries from the time I was 14 until I was like 17. Um, and my final injury, uh, I had like three surgeries on my ankle and it just never really fully healed. Um, it's the same injury. If you want to look it up that Kurt Schilling had when mm. he was bleeding at the, oh, the bloody series and shit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um, and it just like, I, my body was telling me stop, like no more. I can't do this anymore. Like, I broke my nose a bunch of times. I broke my ribs. I fucked up my wrist. I um, fucked up my ankle and dislocated my jaw and like got a concussion. And my body was saying no. And I also like my heart wasn't in it. Um, I think my heart was more in like, a, like appeasing my dad and like doing really well because I know that he really wanted me to do well. And like, I say that in the most like genuine loving way. Um, and I was so relieved. I was relieved. I was like, finally, like, I, yeah. I don't have to do this anymore. Um, and that relief came with a wave of what the fuck am I going to do with my life? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Cause this was it. Like, this is what I spent all my time doing, what I focused all my energy on. And, um, I was good at school, but I didn't really have anything like, I want to be a doctor or an astrophysicist. Like, yeah. Yeah. So that was a huge transition and trying to identify like, what's my next thing that I'm going to be the best at, which was the worst way to go into like that next phase of my life. And how old were you when this happened? Like when you officially stopped with the martial arts, how old were you? I officially stopped training and competing when I was 17 okay. um, and like stopped really doing it outside of boxing like I do that um on a semi-regular basis because it's fun um still now you do mm -hmm. yeah. oh shit I didn't know that that's cool yeah um, <laughs> so that so okay so you so you started you stopped just before you got into college um and then you went into college and you found your next your next endeavor which was mm -hmm. skydiving joining the Yukon skydiving team um, now I'm curious before you talk, start talking about that. Did you, do you think that like, do you think you have a natural inclination towards action sports, like high adrenaline? Do you think that that's like natural in you? Or do you think that because you left that world of martial arts being at such a high level, competing at such a high level, do you think you, like you kind of said, you needed to fill that void with something else? I think it's a little bit of both. Um, so I definitely, as a kid was never really like, 
I cried in all the lines in the roller coasters. And then we'd get on the roller coaster <laughs> and it would be the most fucking fun I've ever had in my life. And I'd do it again. Um, so like, I think my natural inclination was to be a little bitch and hide. Yeah. And, um, but because I was always in like a really high stress, like really high, like adrenaline environment, I naturally sought those out when I was an adult. Cause I'm like, I don't fucking want to go to pottery class, which I do now. Um, <laughs> I don't want to go to pottery class. Like I want to go skydiving. Right. Um, so that's where that kind of came in and it didn't happen right away. Um, I always wanted to skydive. I told my mom when I was 14, I was like, I saw some girl do a tandem skydive. I need to do this. It looks like so much fun. Yeah. And she was like, okay, yeah, on your 18th birthday. And when my 18th birthday came, I was like, mom, are we going skydiving? She's like, I'm fucking not. Um, <laughs> so then I discovered the UConn skydiving team. And I stopped them for two years before I actually like went out and did a tandem. And um, I was surprisingly calm. And it was probably because I was like going back to my roots and like hiding my emotions. Um, and it was super fun. And they approached me afterwards like, hey, we have a team do you want to join? And I was like, uh, yeah. Uh, so that's kind of how, how that progressed. And we competed at collegiate nationals, which is like a, uh, USPA, which is United States parachute association, like sanctioned event. And we competed against other schools, mainly military academies. So they had all the funding and the resources and we were mm -hmm. just out there just like little, little janky kids. You're so out there with a, with a, you're out there with a sheet. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yes. So in a co couple, couple strings. <laughs> in a competition, like what does that mean? A competition that you have to do, like what, like what does that entail, really? How do you win? Dude, there's so many different things. Is yeah. There? So there's, there's technically like I would say, many different uh, disciplines of skydiving. So you have two different things. You have parachuting, so like flying your parachute, and then you also have free falling or wingsuiting. And there's like different ways to free fall. You can free fall on your belly. You can free fall on your feet or standing or on your head. And um, there's different events in those specific di gotcha. disciplines. So for Yukon skydiving, what we did was called uh, four-way relative work, which is belly flying. And you uh, do these like specific like little moves. And you do it as many times as you can um, until, you know, the clock runs out and which is usually about the time that you would like track away from the group and pull your parachute. Um, and then at the end, they would score and see like how many times like each group did the specific set of formations that they were supposed to do. Uh, and then the winner wins and the loser sucks and goes home and cries so so is it so is it like is it sort of like synchronized swimming in a way yes yeah kind of. in yeah. The, except falling from thousands of <laughs> yeah. feet yeah. so what was, what was the so did you end up going on your 18th birthday what was the first time you went skydiving yeah so i tried to go uh but the, i got weathered out so like obviously skydiving is a weather dependent sport you don't want to be you know hucking yourself out of an airplane in the middle of a thunderstorm yep. um so i like went back like six or seven times and each time like it was too foggy or it was raining or i had just had like the best luck ever and that should have been the universe like telling me hey like you might not want to do this but i was like <laughs> this is going back um <laughs> and then one day it was beautiful and um my best friend 
like lived below me in college and he called me up and he was like, Hey, it's really nice out. Would you like to go skydiving? And I was like, I would absolutely love to do that, sir. Let's go. <laughs> yeah. And we got in the car and we went. Yeah. <laughs> you guys had a business relationship. Yeah. <laughs> <We did. laughs> um, yeah. That's cool. So was there, when you first got started, I'm wondering if it was the first time you jumped out of a plane or if there was another moment where you knew like, oh, this is what I want to, like, this is the next big thing that I want to pursue. Oh, no, that was it. I mean, I had been stalking, like, UConn's skydiving team on Facebook for two years. Yeah. And, like, I was like, this is so cool. I want to be on their team, but I don't have my license. I don't even know how, how to go about doing it. And then I did a tandem skydive, and then that day they approached me and said, oh, you go to UConn. We have a team. Here's all these details. So I went to um, – they had like a team meeting that week. And um, well, that day I signed up for like my first jump course. Yep. So, which is like the first jump that you do technically solo with your own parachute. You have two instructors that are with you, um, but there's an eight hour ground school involved with that. So that same day I signed up for that and then went to their meetings. And then I took that first jump course two weeks later and then got my license like a month later. So you knew right away. Oh yeah. I was like, this yeah. is so much fucking fun. Yeah, <laughs> that yeah. is crazy. Um, Andrew, you got something? Yeah, well, so I know obviously a lot of people are scared to skydive. Did you have any moments that you were like, holy shit, like freaking out? Or did you have, were you pretty lucky in that department? Um, Like I said, I'm pretty good at compartmentalizing feelings. So I actually don't know how I felt if I felt like, holy shit. <laughs> like it was more of just like, I'm going to finally do this thing that right. I really want to do. Like fucking psychopath. So and, no, no backup um, parachutes were were required. No, also, no, no. You had a sketchy. You had a sketchy moment. I thought. Um, not when I was not my first jump. No. Oh no, no. But no, in general, in your, in your career. Oh, in my career, I mean, not not too sketchy. Like there was one time where I had what's called a hard pull, and um, I had a really bad habit of pulling low, um, and uh, not too low, not like dangerously low, just mm -hmm. like lower than you really should. And, um, I had a hard pull. So the first time I went to go pull my parachute didn't come. So the second time I pulled and then I had line twists and, um, it took me a while to get out of my line twists. So, um, and how high up were yeah, you with that like late pull with that late pull? How high up were you compared to where's the standard that you pull? And then where would you say that you, you pulled at that time? If you had any idea. I plead the fifth. <laughs> fair 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 okay well that sounds terrifying <laughs> yeah i don't want anybody to know uh, my bad decision that's, that's totally fair <laughs> oh you had a hip i thought there was a, a hip injury from one of your oh yeah i did yeah. okay so yeah i did yeah so it was a back and a hip injury and the hip injury was just a stress fracture that happened from like my back injury so I had like a slight fracture and it was from a hard opening. And that was like pretty like close to, I totally forgot about this, pretty close to like my early skydiving days, like my 25th jump, I had a really hard opening on the container was just a little bit too big for me. So, and the container is like the special backpack. And so I was kind of like shotgunned and my back hurt for a while, but I didn't quite know what was going on. Um, and then they found like a slight fracture in my back and it was like, um, just like causing a lot of like, like pain and like some tingling a little bit just from inflammation. So then I took some time off and that healed. Uh, but when I went to the doctor, they found like a fracture in my hip and it was a stress fracture. And it was because I had like 
continue doing things um, that I shouldn't have Mm -hmm. while I had the injury in my back. I just thought I was honestly being a little bitch. (laughs) And yeah, so both of those things healed like relatively quickly. It was kind of like a non-event, non-issue. Real quick, what real quick, what is a hard open? I mean, of course, Andrew and I know, but for those that don't, what, (laughs) what, what is a, what is a hard opening? So it's when your parachute opens really fucking hard and it hurts. <laughs> exactly as it sounds. So yeah. it's like those moments yeah. where you see where like you open it and it's like you get like you get like yanked up when it opens. Right? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Like it's one of those things that's like the it's it sucks when it happens. Usually it doesn't cause like severe damage. Um, but like I've seen it also like cause death. Like someone had a heart oh, opening and they're like aorta ripped. Oh my so, god. So like they were old though, mm-hmm. not to like downplay their whatever, but um, probably more susceptible to an aortic rip than like someone that's like 25. Right. Yeah. Um, but yeah, like heart openings, it's it's just like impact. It's just like shock um, to the body. So um, depending on how hard it is and like what physical condition you're in, like it, and what position you are in when it opens um, kind of affects the way that like your body takes it. Um, but they happen all the time. Like I've had hard, hard openings after that with absolutely zero issues. Um, and you just got to like pack better, you know? Yeah. And our openings have good are, body position. are openings in general, like kind of uncomfortable or if they're done right, are they supposed to be like, they don't even feel like anything? No, they're just super nice. And just like flowing <laughs> <laughs> on down safely. Yeah. Do you have any yeah. advice for someone, uh, like Eric, who's afraid to skydive? I'm not. I'm not afraid to skydive. I'm terrified. Um, um, advice? Yeah, I mean, it's not for everybody. So, yeah. and like, I don't believe in like pushing anything on anybody um, and forcing anyone to do something that they like just truly don't want to do. But if it's like a feeling that you're curious about and when you're laying on your deathbed when you're 80 and you're like, I fucking wish I did that, like, that's then you should do it but if you're like i absolutely have zero fucking interest in this and i don't want to do it at all and when i'm 80 i'm gonna be like thank god i didn't do that (laughs) then don't do it um but if it's something you're curious about like just sack up and like just send it because it's the most amazing experience in the world and it it does change your perspective on life even if it is only one skydive that you do in your life you get the feeling and you get to tell people like i did that like yeah. I overcame this huge fear of mine. Um, and I think that's like a big part of the way that I lead my life now is um, not letting fear dictate what I am and am not going to do. So, yeah. Now, yeah. Uh, now if someone does sack up and go skydiving for the first time, are there any major like do or don't like definitely don't do this. Definitely do this. <laughs> so listen to your instructor. Yep. Cause they're going to give you everything that they need you to do. That's it. That's it. And if you don't listen to them and, and you go out there and you're flying like this, when you should be like this, yeah, you're a dick. Yeah. <laughs> so it's going to put a lot a of dick. pressure on the instructor. Yeah. Don't be a dick. Be listen, a shut up and enjoy. <laughs> yeah. Yes. Yes. And, and breathe. Like you can absolutely breathe. Yeah. And like a lot of people think that they cannot breathe, but like, you are in the place where there's the most fucking air. 
around you. <laughs> like, That's fair. Um, but yeah, just listen to your instructor. They'll tell you what they need you to do and don't do anything more, anything less. Just do that and you're going to have a comfortable experience. Um, and then real quickly, so then you went from skydiving to base jumping, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. So what's the, what is like, is that sort of a natural progression and what is like, what, what did you like more or less about base jumping versus skydiving? Ooh. Um, yeah. So it's, I wouldn't say it's necessarily like a natural progression. It depends on your interests. Um, it's something that I was interested in like doing. It looked really fun. It looked really cool. It was really different. It was obviously really dangerous. Um, <clears throat> but then getting into it, you realize like how you can mitigate that risk and make it even less so dangerous than skydiving. And I think some people in the sport may disagree with me on that. Um, but when I started base jumping, um, like I said, I was always interested in it. And I took a course with Sean Schuma, who is like the Zen daddy of like the, the base jumping world. <laughs> He's just so calm and so relaxing to be around. It was like the perfect energy for me to be in that environment. Um, yep. And yeah, I love the simplicity of base jumping and that you can make it simple. And like, of course, like there's all this adrenaline and like you have to compartmentalize and you have to like create calm in a space where there's not so much calm right, and right. it can be really <laughs> overwhelming. Yeah. Um, but you also have to like stack the cards in your favor. You know, you want to make sure like the wind's right, whether it's direction or intensity and um, that the landing area is clear where you are jumping and um, like depending on the types of objects that you're jumping. So objects are um, building antenna span earth and then there's other as well. So like a wind turbine or something that doesn't fit in that category or those those four categories. What were the, um, wait, what were the four again? Building antennas, span, and earth. Oh shit! Span? Yeah. Um, what's what's your what? Go ahead. A bridge. Oh okay. Oh oh oh. What's your what's your? Have you jumped off of all four? Yeah. 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 What's your favorite of the four? I. I don't like urban jumps. So I don't like building jumps. They scare the fuck out of me for yeah. a variety of reasons. Um, like the conditions are a lot less, you have a lot less controllability and I am yep. a control freak. Yeah. Um, <laughs> <laughs> um, so for that, I didn't, I didn't love that. It took me a really long time to actually get over the fear and like, and do that specific jump. I did it once, I fucking hated it. Like never, I mean, I had so much fun. It was great. Everything went really well. I'm really glad I did it, but I yep. didn't. I didn't want to do it again. Right. Um, but as for like Earth, um, I mean, there's you're more likely to like have an impact, like an object impact. Um, so like, let's say your parachute like opens off heading. So instead of opening like right in front of you, so you could fly forward and get away from the from the object, um, it could open 180 and like have you like flying towards the wall and like your reaction skills have to be really good. So there's so many, there's different things to look out for in those situations. So like, I was always scared of that. Um, and I think the environment where I had the most fun was where I had this perceived sense of control, even though yeah. you don't really. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Right. right. <laughs> um, so I love like jumping off of bridges. So yep. that's where I got like my kicks because I was never really like, um, 
overwhelmingly scared on the inside. I was still scared. Like it's not, not scary, but it's also more fun because I felt like I was able to relax a little bit more. Um, and like now, like looking back on it, like that's all I want is to relax and like keep the peace within myself. And um, so that specific object, like bridges were were great. And that might make me a perky base jumper, but I don't care because I had fun. So, I got so that, that's what matters. <laughs> so that so so you were yeah. so you were not the kid where your parents could say, Well, what would you do if your friends jumped off a bridge? You were <laughs> you were that you were the friend jumping off the bridge. <laughs> yeah. Yes, yes. For oh, sure. Shit. And I think my um, parents knew that from the beginning. Yeah. Like, <laughs> they, 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 yeah. they knew not to throw that at you. Andrew, I have two more quick ones on this. If you do you have anything else? No, no, I'm good. All right. So, so real quick, when you jump that often, do you, do the jumps, do they, does it like when you're falling in the air, does it sort of blend together with other jumps or is like every single jump completely different from the last? Um, everyone's different. Really? And you and learn it, something new every time and every, yeah, all the, the variables are always different. It's just, yeah, it's a completely new experience and every single time. So if that's the case, then, then what, what would be the most memorable, whether it was for good or bad reason? Like what jump someone says to you, what was your favorite or most memorable jump? What sticks out? Um, base jump or skydive or either, or either, or just a jump that like is most memorable to you. Yeah. So, um, remember the best friend that I said that I went on a tandem skydive with? Mm -hmm. Yep. So we did that jump together and I started skydiving right away. And when he graduated college a couple of years later, he moved to Australia and started skydiving. And yeah. like four years later, we saw each other at a drop zone and we did our first jump together. Oh, that's and so cool. That's awesome. So like, yeah, yeah. That was probably like, I, I have butterflies in my stomach just thinking about it now. And it's like bringing me back to that moment where like, I finally got to jump with my best friend that I haven't seen in four years. Yeah. That we've both been doing this thing in tandem, but like on opposite sides of the world. And um, yeah, it, it was like, it was so freeing and like so amazing to play like with my friend up there and like, yeah, yeah, yeah. have a moment. And I think that's like a big part of my memories and like both sports. Um, is just like the friends that I made and the people that were there and getting to do something absolutely incredible with your best friends and yeah. the best friends that you do meet. And like, there's assholes in every sport, but like, there are like a core group of people that I've met all over the country and all over the world, really, because um, they come from everywhere um, right. that like, I'm so thankful to have met and to have had to share those experiences with. That's yeah. really cool. Um, yeah. All right, my last question for you on this. What is your favorite place that you have jumped? Like your favorite place to jump in general? And then what would be a, a bucket list? Like if you had like one place that you never got to or or want to, what would be that? What would be those two places? Um, my favorite place, and it's just gonna sound so cliche because it's fucking Hawaii, but like Hawaii. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it's beautiful. Is... Like you got mountains on one side, you got ocean on the other side. You can see the other islands from the plane. Like you can see whales from the plane and you can see fucking sharks. From... It's fucking, That's it's awesome. sick. Like it is so amazing and so picturesque. And when you're there, you're like, where the fuck am I? Like, how, <laughs> how did I get to this point in my life? Um, and it is really magical. And, um, 
I like highly recommend if you only plan on doing one skydive in your life, like do it there. Yeah. <laughs> <It's nice. laughs> um, but yeah, that's, that's probably like the, the most beautiful place I've jumped. Yep. Um, the most like, uh, I guess like my dream jump man like anywhere where there's ocean and friends like I don't yeah. even think about like there's like so many events in skydiving where you can go to Panama or you can go to this place called Pepe's Island and there are it's just yeah like there's it's more about like the people that are there and who you're there with and yeah the sites are great but like I'd rather go to like a cornfield in fucking <laughs> Illinois and jump there if I'm with my friends right. then you know go down to Key West and jump in the most beautiful place in the world by myself yeah so, that's cool yeah um yeah. all right so that's the last thing I had we're gonna do one last quick little thing with your rapid fire uh four oh quick four quick little questions just with like short one or two word answers um and then you're gonna end with something um so my first one fuck mary kill karate skydiving nine to five job <laughs> it's gotta be rapid the audience can't see what my fucking face just did <laughs> what? oh we'll zoom in don't worry <laughs> um yeah, I would definitely, I'd fuck karate. I would marry skydiving and I would kill a nine to five. <laughs> Good shit. Yeah. I didn't know where you were going to go with that. I didn't know if you were going to kill karate off, but yeah, forget the nine to five, right? Um, yeah, all right. Sure. Favorite type of punch or kick to land or just strike in general? Oh, I love an uppercut. Yeah. I love landing an uppercut. It okay. feels so good. Upper, uppercut's a good one. So out of everywhere that you lived, which place has the best food? Oh. <laughs> um, best food. I got to be fucking honest with you. Fucking New England. Really? Wow. Good yes. shit. Good shit. Yeah, I have been all over the place. Nothing beats home. Yeah, I get that little New Haven pizza. Actually, like... Can we exclude like Italy and shit? Because of course their food is just like the tits. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah. That's yeah. just a whole nother okay, so no yeah, That's a whole nother. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, and then the last one, just a little personal one, because now you're out of all of these action sports. Like for the most part, like you said, you still do some boxing and stuff like that. But what has been like the like most satisfying or proudest moment for you within the past six months? So personal, professional, just something that you're proud of um, that you've done within the last six months. Oh my God. So much in my life has happened in the last six months. That's why I wanted um, to ask. Yeah, absolutely. Like, uh, so I had like a little bit of a big thing, like last, like in the last six months where I just knew that something in my life needed to fucking change because mm -hmm. I was deeply unhappy, severely depressed and like, it's crazy to even say that considering like we look back and we see like what my life was like. It was so picture perfect. I was traveling the country, living in different States, working from home, always had stable income was like doing all of these sports and like doing like the perceived, like right way to live life or whatever. And, um, I was deeply unhappy and I needed to stop letting things in my life that were fucking with my peace. 
And um, I made that decision probably almost about six months ago. I'm just like, fuck this. Like, what's going to make me happy? I moved to my favorite city in the world, which is St. Pete. Yep. And um, I got an incredible job and I kind of manifested this job. I was like, I'm not fucking taking a job where the, the um, environment's going to be shitty, where I'm going to be treated like I was at my last job and I want to make six figures. And lo and behold, found this fucking great company, check, making check, six figures, check, check, check. Nice. check, check. <laughs> and I'm so proud of that because I, I yeah. went after it. And it was like the first time in my life where I felt like I did that for me. And like, I didn't do it with anybody else's help. I just did it for me. And yeah. it was really fulfilling. And I feel so, I'm starting to understand what confidence feels like now, 28 years late. <laughs> um, <laughs> but yeah, it's, it's great to like go after what you want and create the life that like you really want and create peace around you. And then you can start really finding like, you know, where like the direction that you should be going in and the things that you should be going after. And I started doing more cool sports like kiteboarding or kite surfing or whatever they fucking call it. It's so yeah. fun. <laughs> yeah. Well, good shit. Um, we really, really, really appreciate you coming on and look forward to you uh, dominating the next phase of your life. Um, before we before we let you go, uh, you did something kind of just random crazy happened with someone, you know, so we just want to give you a little, give you a little plug, give you a little time to just, you know, just touch yeah, on that. For sure. Yeah. I don't have any socials to plug. You can follow my Instagram that I don't post on, but um, my good friend and uh, roommate was recently in an accident at work and um, he had a piece of metal fly from the sheen and it caught him in the hip and pelvis area and shattered his hip and or shattered his pelvis and broke his femur and um, damaged some internal organs. And so he's been in the hospital and it's been super stressful on this end of things, but um, he's doing better. And every day we're going to keep pushing towards that. And we have a GoFundMe going right now just to support him as he's out of work and for a very long time and going to be in rehab for a while. Uh, and we want to make him as comfortable as possible and not have to worry about anything. So Eric, if you could share that GoFundMe link, yep, um, yep. and any penny helps if you only got a penny, like that's great. Um, we really just want to make sure that he's good and set in the bank account so he can focus on healing and getting better. And absolutely love you, Joey, sure. love you, Angela, his girlfriend and his whole family is just incredibly supportive and he's got an army behind him and, um, hopefully your army can help him as well. Absolutely. We will attach a link um, in all of our, uh, sure. everywhere we post, we'll attach a link for the GoFundMe. Um, again, thank you. Thank, thank you. you. Thank Jenna. you for coming on. Andrew, any final thoughts? No, I just think that was a great first guest. Jenny did an awesome job. Very cool yes. person. Thanks. Very cool story. Crushed cool. it. Um, and you're welcome to come back on whenever. So Anytime. it was a pleasure having you. We will, uh, we will talk to you soon. Okay, perfect. Thanks for having me, guys. Have a great weekend. You too. Yeah, you too. Peace out. Sweet. See Bye. ya.